Hello and welcome to the Diddy Day podcast. I'm Lara O'Reilly, Diddy Day's senior correspondent based out of London. And I'm excited today to welcome to the show Naomi Hirabayashi and Mara Lydi. Naomi and Mara are the co-CEOs and co-founders of Shine, which is a self-care app and community that helps people look after their mental health. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. So how about then we go, we start by going back to the beginning. Um, I'm really interested in what led to you both getting together to start your company four years ago. And um, what were you both doing before you decided to strike out on your own? Yeah, so we started Shine with the mission of making mental health as accessible, inclusive and representative as possible. Um, We were really frustrated with the fact that we didn't see ourselves represented in this kind of space that we call wellness. Um, I'm using air quotes, but uh, whether that was our skin tones or body types or the things that we struggled with, our past traumas, socioeconomic status, et cetera, um, it just, this whole industry felt like a monolith. Um, and to take a step back to answer your question of, of what we were doing before, That's we sick. actually um, met working together about a decade ago. Naomi was a chief marketing officer. I was a director of product for a nonprofit in New York and um, very much not on the path to entrepreneurship, Uh, you know, saw ourselves as, you know, the the go-to like leaders within organizations, but not necessarily people that um, wanted to start a company. Um, But but as I said, I think uh, we were so lucky to find one another and to recognize we struggled with the same things, those things being... um, stress, anxiety, depression, um, things that we all struggle with when it comes to our mental health. The difference being that we felt that our, we recognize rather that our mental health challenges were very much colored by our intersectionality. So all of those things that make up who we are as women of color, um, and again, our backgrounds just really, you know, when we came together, we found this kind of unique support in one another. And that's what we very much saw was not existing in the wider market and saw an opportunity to create something um, to help people navigate their their daily mental and emotional health that was way more accessible and representative. And let's perhaps talk a little bit about Shine itself. As I said earlier, um, my kind of quick description is a, a, you know, a self-care app and community that, that helps people look after their mental health. Um, but ha- perhaps, Naomi, you can, you can give kind of the, the 101 on, on kind of what Shine is and, and what it offers today. Yeah. So as Mara um, spoke to, you know, big picture, our mission is to make mental health easier, more representative and more inclusive for everyone. And the way that comes to life is uh, really in our formula for emotional self-care, which has um, three parts to it. Reflection, connection, and meditation. So reflect, connect, and meditate. And so what that means is if you're a member of the Shine community and you have the app, every single day we're helping you really set a daily ritual around self-care with those three um, steps. So for reflect, um, what that speaks to is our entire product is really based on the simplicity of taking care of yourself should feel as easy as talking to a friend. And you can do that um, in the in-app experience, uh, which gives you a way to reflect with guided prompts. So it feels like you're, you are checking in with yourself and you're doing so um, like you're talking to a friend. And then connection speaks to our in-app community where um, what we've heard that is so important um, 
to shy members is knowing that they're not alone in the struggle, knowing that they're not alone in what they're going through. And um, it's an app where you can use the daily discussion feature and hear from our members all around the world on how they are processing whatever the theme is for that day. And then meditate. Um, So we have um, meditations that we call them like a podcast meets meditation. And again, that goes back to kind of the ease of feeling like you're working on yourself, but it's in a way that um, really holds your reality in mind. And that means that the themes are relevant to what's happening in the world. We have a fresh new uh, podcast meets meditation every day in the Daily Shine. And then you can also access over 800 meditations in our library that are created by um, diverse talent that we work with. And can you talk to me a little bit about the talent and the, you know, the people that lead your, your meditations and affirmations? Um, what types of people are those and how do you choose the, the right fit for Shine? Yeah, in terms of who we work with, uh, we, work, we look for a couple things. I think first and foremost, it's people that really personify the values of Shine. So um, they are passionate in their practice um, around core themes like accessibility and representation and inclusion. The second is that they're, you know, certified. So everyone from life coaches to psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists, and also uh, meditation teachers. And then to the point of representation, we, you know, started Shine as two women of color for everyone. We wanted to create a self-care app that um, was for everyone and not just for people that have certain disposable income or looked a certain way. And so that comes to life in our uh, selection process as well we reflect the community that we serve. And so um, it's a very diverse set of talent that we work with to make sure that you can really feel yourself or see yourself or hear yourself when you come to the Shine app. Can you talk a little bit about that community? How many users do you have currently? So we have an incredible community and, and Naomi and I are always like just amazed by it because we started with 50 people in our network and Shine <laughs> grew to 3,000 people in a, in a month. And we were just overwhelmed by just how organic the growth has been and, and vastly um, through referrals. So people just sharing Shine with friends. Um, so our reach is over 4 million and that's people in our community. Um, I think one of the things we're most proud of is the representation within that community. So we have, for example, twice the national average of black women. Um, LGBTQIA people are heavily overrepresented in our community. And we see this really across the board in thinking of socioeconomic status and other um, indicators of, of marginalized experiences. And so that's, I think, a direct reflection of the product and the team and what we put into the company. But I think it's, especially this year, really important to um, to lead with that authenticity. And, and that's what we see reflected in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right, well, right, around 4 million. And I mean, as you say, the community aspect does seem like it's really the, the kind of key to shine. There's, there's obviously no shortage of self-care apps out there and meditation apps. Um, but you have, you know, discussion boards, there's a Facebook group. How do you kind of see that evolving over time as the community inevitably, I imagine, will get bigger? Yeah, I think the main differentiator with Shine is the, the relatability. So when we, we talk about access in mental health care, um, there's so many ways to talk about access. We've, we've already talked a lot about representation. There's price, there's time. Um, we think one of the best ways to help people and to get more, you know, if we think about even just how much money as a country we're spending on um, depression, for example, we're going to spend $300 billion 
in mental health care in 2020, and 70 billion of that alone is going to depression. And so our angle is how do we get to it before it gets to a place where we're just funneling our money towards crises, right? How do we help people on a preventative basis? And so the daily product, to, to your point, is rooted in this um, by and from and for the community feel. So something that is, um, we source all of our content from our community. Uh, our creators, as we've talked about, are incredibly accessible. So our product isn't going to be that top-down meditation guru type app, right? You're going to come to our app and feel like you're hearing from a friend. And most importantly, I think you're also going to hear topics that relate to you. So that's why it's so important that it comes from the community because for example, when COVID hit and every you know wellness company was talking about quarantining and what does that mean and what does that look like? We were one of the only ones that was addressing what does it look like to be a delivery driver or um, an Uber driver or uh, a healthcare worker and, and you can't quarantine. So having that, that tie into the community and really being built ground up by them has been crucial for us to make sure that every single day and what we call our daily shine, which is our core product, that we're addressing what's happening in the world and we are relevant to you specifically. And I think that that idea of community is um, what it often isn't as talked talked about as much as the, the kind of feature set that can come with community. Mm. It's about feeling like you're co-creating a product with somebody versus uh, you're consuming a product and maybe talking about it in a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And so how do you... Um... I was going to say use that community. That's, that's, the, that's the wrong word. But looking at, at what the community are talking about on the app and how do you use that to um, inform, as you say, new products, new content, new kind of meditation? And do you go kind of beyond what people are saying on the app and you know, focus groups and, and things like that too? How do you make sure that you're constantly um, you know, keeping in check with what's really going on? So our, our in-app community is one of many channels that we talk to our community. So we have our, our in-app community that's incredibly engaged. So every day with the Daily Shine, we're selecting a different mental health theme. Um, yesterday's was around navigating uncertainty and how you can really get in your body and ground yourself. Um, and so to that point, we'll curate a question where we'll ask the community, tell us about a time you've navigated uncertainty or what is that? How is that? Um, have you navigated that in your life? And that's a, such a powerful place, both for the community to support one another and also for us to learn what our members are um, struggling with, where they're celebrating, uh, what are some of the biggest challenges coming up for them in their lives. It's hugely, hugely beneficial for us to understand. And then we have our private community online on our currently our Facebook group um, where users are able to support each other on a much deeper level. That's something that um, you know, might not be a novel concept, but I think for us, we're still always blown away by um, the things we don't have to deal with because of our values and because of this daily product that I think really um, kind of uh, grooms people in terms of how to how to uh, support one another and communicate mm. to one another. We really don't have, you know, I can't tell you like the percentage of posts we've ever had to remove or address because it was um, hurtful or hateful or anything like that has been just incredibly, incredibly small. And so that community mm-hmm. is a very special place that the currency there is vulnerability. People are sharing incredibly vulnerable stories of grief, of, of weight loss, of um, body positivity, of uh, just divorce. Like there's just so many powerful stories every single day. And what that does, we believe, is it creates 
a moat around the company and that not only do people feel a part of the community, which is our number one goal with that in-app community, but they can get that daily support through those, those stronger ties where um, they know that the next time that they feel like, um, I, you know, a, a bad employee or a bad parent or whatever it is that we criticize ourselves about, they can head to that place and, and immediately see that they're not alone and also get mm-hmm. that real-time support. So of course, you know, supporting each other is the number one goal and then learning from that community. So we do um, certainly user research, getting one-on-one time with that community. All of it goes directly into our Slack group. So we are um, very Slack heavy at Shine. Um, this is not sponsored, but uh, <laughs> we we love Slack. Um, and yeah, we have multiple channels. Actually, all of our customer service, um, like tickets get, get posted in Slack. All of our, um, anytime anybody posts a review, gets directly posted in Slack. Similarly, we can manually highlight some like feedback from users as well. But I think that's so important that every single person at the company, from the CTO to um, the you know customer service support associate, um, that every single person is seeing what our community is saying on a daily basis. So that's able to inform and make our product better. Mm-hmm. Can, we, can we talk a bit about the business now? So. Um, it's evident um, from downloading the app that the main way uh, that Shine makes money is through subscriptions. So it's either is it eleven ninety nine a month or an annual subscription of around fifty dollars? I think is that right? Yeah, exactly fifty four. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. <laughs> um, is is that currently the only way um, that you're making money? And are you looking at potentially expanding your revenue streams kind of down the line? Yeah. So the um the primary revenue stream in the way that we're really building the business to your point is based on a freemium model. So um, the freemium is very intentional. As Mara talked about, you know, we believe that mental health access is a right. And so there's um, just a lot of features and the core experience of like listening to the daily shine every single day is completely free. And then we give people an opportunity to invest deeper if they have the disposable income with an annual or monthly subscription the subscription uh, business model is also very intentional because it's mm-hmm. based on a need in terms of helping to create an accessible, affordable solution for um, what people are working through and to be a resource that um, can can be that friend and also obviously make sure that we're planning for the long haul. So creating a sustainable business that's here to stay and doing that through a subscri- subscription model is um what we've proven and what um, we know really solves the biggest need. I think um, like any company, we're always paying attention to where is the market and what are opportunities for growth. Um, There has been a lot of inbound interest in offering Shine as a mental health benefit for companies, particularly because we are the most inclusive and representative self-care app. And one... um, just progress that has been made this year is a lot more vocabulary and understanding, I think, from companies on the importance of inclusion and specificity about that inclusion. So, for example, um, in response to the uprising for racial justice um, that really hit the main stage this this summer, um, we knew it was really important to prioritize, you know, black mental health specifically um, in response to what was happening in our country. And so um, we launched a free category for Black um, well-being. And also, uh, just as a business, are not afraid to speak to human rights. And we, aren't, we don't see human rights as political. We see it as 
human rights. And I think that um, boldness as a company has um, taken notice. I think other companies look to us and say, that's the solution that we need for our employees. There's nothing that exists like that in the market. And so um, that's just um, an opportunity for us to help make workplaces be more equitable, help Mm -hmm. give um, employees more vocabulary around how to um, speak to their needs. And um, it's something that will, you know, be part of our, our growth as we enter into the next year. Okay, so like a kind of enterprise product, I guess. Um, yes, working with companies to offer shyness yeah. and mental health benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what's powerful about that is it's really driven by consumer adoption. The fact that people love shine, one in three reference shine as feeling like a friend. And so that word of mouth is what's helping to spread kind of from the ground up in, in workplaces. We're going to take a quick break. And then I can imagine you have this this audience of 4 million people who are, you know, talking to each other, interacting with the app quite often. Um, it's meant to be a place of positivity. I, I mean, have advertisers come knocking on your door, um, like potential partners? We, we have gotten interest from um, advertisers, brand partners. Um, or again, we're very intentional about how we mm. monetize. I think what we get really excited about is... Um, to the point of where can we where can we have the biggest impact and what drives the business forward in the most sustainable way are the filters that we we make every decision around and so um advertising is not something that we're we're really interested in in terms of like traditional advertising Mm -hmm. i think um we've done some really great partnerships we're proud of like uh we worked with plenty of fish recently where they actually purchased five thousand subscriptions for their um, community, knowing that dating in the time of COVID is really difficult and how they wanted to support their community with more mental health support to be able to kind of be their best self out in the dating world or um, be their most like mentally healthy self um, in in the dating experience. And so stuff like that gets us really excited because it's very natural, it's um, impactful, and ultimately just um, gets more people to know about Shine as a resource and use Shine Mm -hmm. in whatever way is helpful to, to, you know, make them feel as good as they can. I see. It's like less traditional kind of like boxes on a page and and more brand partnerships, media partnerships, that kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Less like uh, not really into like banner ads or pop-up ads or anything like that. But yeah. And and I think it's cool that so many companies, I think just in general, um, to the point of meaningful partnerships, I think a lot of companies, because of consumer demand and consumer um, consumers holding companies accountable. I think there's just more thoughtful partnerships around advertising or marketing that that are happening as a result of um, just people looking for things that feel really natural and really authentic versus just something that's disrupting my experience. Sure, sure. Um, okay, so so far you've you've raised a, a couple of seed rounds and a, a five million Series A. Can you talk about what that that kind of early fundraising experience was like? And obviously, it's been a, a couple of years since your your last round. So, are you back on the fundraising trail now? We're we're smiling because I don't think we've been <laughs> asked this question in a while, and it's like uh, I don't know. I, I think <laughs> I think that fundraising has has in some ways it's it's been different every time. In some ways, it gets easier. In other ways, it gets more challenging. Um, I would say in the early days as people who had never started a company before, who didn't go to business school, 
who, you know, didn't really understand what an angel investor was. Or um, <laughs> people kept talking about like this thing called friends and family rounds. And we we're like, what is that? Who are those friends and family and how do we get them? I want those. Uh, <laughs> and we're like, do they take equity? I remember us asking the advisor that, like, do they want something back for that money? Um, so I think at the beginning, it's, I mean, it's, absolutely terrifying. And the power dynamic, I think, especially being women and women of color and all the things about our background that make us not um, the majority, what the majority of founders, I think, look like and have their life experiences represented as it was, it was challenging. And it was, it was really, um, it was difficult to, I think, at a time. So we started the company in 2016. Um, We raised our round before Trump got elected. Uh, and in this state of, you know, disclarity, I think that the country was already very much in, um, in fear, you know, of, of potential of what was to come. We were feeling this feeling that we had experienced on our own of, of the, the mental health gap and what we saw in terms of a lack of access in the space. And then we also felt that it was getting worse, right? Like we saw yeah. in 2016 after a three-year upward trend that mental health actually in America um, was on a decline. And so we knew the relevance, we knew the stats, we knew the importance, but you have two women of color going in, meeting with predominantly white men whose entire job is to reject people. I mean, they, you know, to find the needle in the haystack, <laughs> How's that right? mental health? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like... I, I'm sure it's not easy on their end either. However, the power dynamic is is so um, stark, right? We've you're kind of as an entrepreneur already wearing your heart on your sleeve, and yeah. please like it, please like me, and take a bet. You don't know anything about me, but I'm going to tell you in this 30 minute meeting. And so the the dynamics are, are are really difficult, I think, as as minority founders to kind of to wrap your head around um, and to to know your power really. But I would say that we were just so fortunate to um, we had a couple of women that opened so many doors for us, um, Amanda Moskowitz and Geisha Haas, who um, were people that we knew through our, our jobs. You know, we didn't we weren't in the entrepreneurship scene. We just had worked with them in, in previous capacities. And um, they were two women who were very connected in the space and were able to introduce us to some of our first investors. Um, some of our first investors, I mean, all of our first investors, actually, I can say are still um, almost all of them are still invested in the company and are just incredible. Um, we have had the opportunity to work with most of our investors are actually investors of color. Um, we've many female investors and, um, that's not because necessarily that they're focused on, you know, minority founders. It's just, it's just happened to work out that way. And I would say that the confidence that working with our incredible investors has given us in that, you know, second round we raised and the third round and the fourth round has been huge. And, um, you know, having investors that have your back, meaning that when you raise a pre-seed round, you don't know, you don't know anything, you know, you usually have like a month of data and you're like, we're going to make a hundred million dollars in five minutes. And you just, you're trying to, you're trying to project something that's impossible to project, but you do have a vision and you have conviction, right? And so what you need is people who will continue to see that and support you when you crush it and you hit all your metrics and when you maybe hit some of your metrics and not others. And so I think we've been, we've been really fortunate to find great, great partners since the beginning. And, Mm -hmm. um, in that respect, it's gotten easier over time. I think where it's gotten harder is it's, you're always, you know, while we're not starting from zero, when we fundraise now, um, you're still always, 
you always have that power dynamic. There's an element of that that will always exist. We're still talking about a category that while it's, you know, 2020 is getting a lot of recognition in terms of mental health. Um, it, even in 2019, it, it wasn't nearly this, there wasn't the spotlight on mental and emotional health. And so I think the category, our backgrounds, all of that still comes into play as we, as we fundraise. And then there's just the dynamics of, it, you know, it should be hard to get millions of dollars from people. <laughs> so I think that um, all of those things continue to make it challenging to fundraise. Um, but I, I don't envy founders who are, are fundraising through through this year and through all the dynamics that have come into play this year. Um, for us, we don't have any plans to fundraise in the near future. We are, are in a really strong place as a company um, from a capital efficiency and revenue perspective. So, you know, not not focused on that or prepping or looking towards that at all, um, which feels feels very fortunate. I bet. Murray, you mentioned, I mean, 2020 has, has been a year. And just for transparency for listeners, you know, we're recording on Friday the 6th. We're still still waiting for election officials to count the remaining ballots, although we're, we're getting a little bit closer now. Um, and, and I think just generally, I mean, you know, aside from the election, we've had a global pandemic, social unrest. Um, there's been forest fires. There's just been a lot. Um, and I think most of us have been united in suffering this kind of collective stress and trauma. Um, what kind of trends have you noticed on your platform about this period and what everyone is going through but I think crucially what what's working to to make it better yeah I think one of the um I'll start with the the positive um in terms Please. of what yeah <laughs> we, could, do with we them. could all use a little more positivity <laughs> and I think one of the most powerful outcomes of this year that we've heard directly from our community um we did a survey, as Mara mentioned, we sit really closely to our community just to hear what they're dealing with, what they're going through, and use that to always inform how we can just continue to meet their needs. But um, the most powerful insight that we found from the pandemic as it relates to mental health is that the pandemic is helping to destigmatize conversations around mental health. And the number one reason why that's happening is because our community, when they're when we're asking why, why, why do you think that's happening? They're saying that I'm talking about my mental health more than I did before the pandemic. 52% of people are talking about their um, mental health more than they were before the pandemic because they know that other people are suffering too. There is um, all of a sudden this thing that unites us while the experiences and the impact of the pandemic obviously have a wide spectrum of how it's coming to life based on someone's situation. There's there's no one is untouched by this. And so as a result, people are just saying like, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. This is where, you know, speaking from my perspective, it's like um, parenting, you know, the first three months without childcare and trying to navigate that as a co-founder, as a parent, as a partner was hard. And it, you know, was really important that we talked about how that was hard. And it wasn't necessarily always about solutions, but it was about just speaking, speaking to what's hard. And the people that were talking about their mental health more reported a 49% higher rate of practicing self-compassion than other people that weren't talking about their mental health. So by just talking about what you're struggling with, with other people, you were able to be more compassionate with yourself and with others. And I, when I think about what I'm hoping we can take from this time, I hope compassion is one of those, one of those things. Um, and so that, that's the, the powerful insight that we've heard from our community. Um, 
I think the the other thing that we're hearing is um, that 68% of people are feeling anxious. And I don't think that that's that surprising. Um, but anxiety is the number one kind of word that people use to describe this time with stress, worry, and overwhelm trailing just behind. Um, and the result of that is, you know, hopefully more people speaking to what they need or looking for solutions. When we think about where we started, Mara and I, to the point of early fundraising experiences and how hard that was, one of the hardest things was just the education we had to do around this opportunity to, to provide a better solution for people to take care of themselves. Because even in 2016, while their self-care was saw the biggest spike it had seen in terms of search ever in, in, um, in Google, there was still a lack of understanding around um, why taking care of your mental health is not just a nice thing, it's a necessity and it's a means of survival. And we need to, we need to prioritize our mental health just as we're conscious of going to an annual physical or going to the OBGYN or watching, you know, um, what we eat in a way that gives us energy. And so I, again, I hope that with the absolute need and just increase in talking about what's hard about this time, there'll be greater understanding and greater awareness around um, just having, having more of these conversations more and more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you both co-signed a letter alongside a number of women CEOs, managing partners, company founders, other kind of senior leaders across corporate America calling for Americans to vote Biden. Um, do you think a, a Biden presidency, while there's kind of, there's lots of wounds to heal, but do you think it will help in easing this collective anxiety? Yes. Why? I think that at the end of the day, even if we're let's say we're not even talking about Biden, we're just talking about this administration. This has been one of the most traumatic four years in American history and particularly modern American history, right? If we think about the level of grief that has come from hundreds of of Americans losing their lives to a, a pandemic needlessly, right? Like we should, we're, we're setting world records now every day for new cases. Um, we are supposed to be the free world, right? We're supposed to be um, this country that is is on the, on the brink of creativity and technology and setting records that we can be proud of. And the records that we're setting today are, are just staggeringly embarrassing at a global level. And when we think about what um, this president has done to endorse and support and um, create more systems and um, for white supremacy. It's 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 just it's just incredibly overwhelming to even talk about. Right? There's there's no there's no words that can describe the stain that Donald Trump is on American history and what he has done at a macro level. Think about the 200 judges that he's appointed. Um, and what he's done on a micro level, what he's done to every single person that has um, been wounded by something that he has said or done. And I'm specifically thinking about the Black community in this country who um, pretty much saves it from itself every time, right? This election, Black women were the most loyal, as as usual, to the Democratic Party um, from their Black men, people of color overall. And if you look at the breakdown of white Americans, it's 49% to 49%. And that, you know, today, sitting here as a woman of color, as a Black woman, 
reading those statistics and knowing that millions of people, not on a fluke, not on a, wouldn't it be funny if a reality TV star became president, like some not, you know, very thoughtful people did in 2016. In 2020, after seeing this reaction to a global pandemic, after all of the endorsing of white supremacy and emboldening of white supremacy that Donald Trump has done, all of the lives that we've lost in the black community and those aren't new, but the lack of um, the lack of action and the inciting of hate um, at this national level from the president of the United States to see that that many people choose to continue to endorse this president is it's sickening. It's sickening. And I don't think Biden will save us. I don't think these next four years will um, solve racism in our country. I don't think it will um, turn back the clock on all the damage that Donald Trump has done to our country on a national global level. But I do believe we need to heal and we can't start healing when we're still under this direct oppression. And so I think it's going to be more than anything, a long, long journey to a path of healing sure. mentally and emotionally. This, I mean, this is a, 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 you know, a media podcast. I think the media has been doing a lot of soul searching about its kind of coverage Um it's coverage of lots of areas, frankly, um, since 2016, um, and particularly its coverage through this election period and, and you know, throughout 2020. Um, do you get any sense from the, the the Shine community that the media has kind of helped or or harmed um, in this healing that needs to be happening? And, and what could the media be doing better when it comes to mental health, when it comes to reporting on mental health, um, when it, when it comes to, you know, simply just, just being responsible around mental health. The first thing that comes to mind, and I thought, I think that was so beautifully said, Mara, too, just in in response to what, um, just the importance of today and the importance Mm -hmm. of what happens next. Um, I think related to mental health to politics would be like one answer. And then overall, um, I think we can do more of what Mara just did of just bottom lining and calling out what is what is un-American and what is wrong and what is what is white supremacy. And I think um, I think Van Jones did this really well on CNN right after the debate, the first presidential debate, where he said the only thing that we should be taking away from this debate is that our president just refused to condone white supremacy on on a debate stage. And I think I, I've appreciated in media, um, I think talking about the intersection of mental health in this election, where people are just bottom lining what is just not right, is not normal. We should never, we should never consider it normal. So I think more of that, more of the bottom lining of what is just inherently wrong. And then I think what the media can do more of, and I'm, I'm we're starting to see this change. And I think um, it, it is highlighting more stories of um, mm. intersectionality of marginalized communities, of being specific, um, something that, uh, you know, Mara talks a lot about is the importance of, when you're talking about inclusion, you have to be specific. The, there's talking about people of color and their mental health and the, the kind of broad experience that, yes, that might be different than being a white American, but talking about the experience of many Black Americans or um, the experience of being Chinese American and hearing your president call this the China virus, like we need to highlight and elevate stories that are from more marginalized communities to to get better as a society, to create more understanding and empathy for things that might not be as familiar to us, but are the stories of our America. And um, 
I think we're starting to see more of that in the media. And I think we need to continue to see more of that. And Mm -hmm. um, as Mara said so beautifully, again, like that, I think will be part of the healing process. It won't make everything right, but it's a step forward. Definitely. Definitely. Well, onwards to 2021. Mara, Naomi, thank you so much for joining us. We've had a great show today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. And indeed, thank you everyone for listening at home or wherever you happen to be right now. This is actually my final Diddy Day podcast show as I'm off to pastures new. Uh, A huge thank you to the Diddy Day team for entrusting me with this show and indeed for everything they've done in the time that I've been here. Diddy Day Media, as I'm sure you will agree, is the best in the business and I'm going to miss the team an awful lot. I'll be handing over the reins to the fantastic Kaylee Barber and Tim Peterson who have a bumper schedule of great interviews lined up. Thanks so much for listening. As always, I'll see you around.